You're listening to Ship History Radio from the Steamship Historical Society of America. Through recording, preserving, and educating, our mission is to share the impact of engine-powered vessels, their crews, and their passengers with future generations. To learn more about our organization, visit us online at sshsa.org. My name is Brian Lucier, and I handle membership and public outreach for SSHSA. On this episode, you'll hear a presentation that archivist Asher Drew gave to the World Ship Society's Port of New York branch back in May, where she discussed the Vincent M. Love Collection, currently on loan to SSHSA. For those of you who don't know, Mr. Love was an SSHSA member and a passionate collector of maritime history who worked for several shipping companies, including the United States Lines. Over his lifetime, he collected a treasure trove of lithographs, books, promotional ephemera, VHS tapes, newspaper clippings, and photographs documenting the heyday of ocean travel. Follow along with Astrid's presentation or dive deeper into this remarkable collection by visiting shiphistory.org forward slash love dash collection. We hope you enjoy. I will be talking a bit about the Steamship Historical Society, who we are and what we do, but also speaking very specifically about a collection that we are stewarding called the Vincent M. Love Collection. Again, just a quick primer on who we are. We were founded in 1935. We publish a magazine called Power Ships Magazine, and uh, which is a uh, full color uh, illustrated magazine with feature articles, as well as book reviews, news columns, and uh, all sorts of topics on maritime history and shipping. We also have a archives, obviously, and a reference library. Power Ships Magazine has been published continuously since 1940. It was originally called Steamboat Bill of Facts, affectionately shortened to Steamboat Bill, and uh, um, and it now exists as, as Power Ships. That change was made to more accurately encompass who we are as an institution and especially who our membership is. The organization was founded by a core group of uh, a handful of people about uh, six or seven uh, uh, men who were interested in collecting photography and uh, especially the coastal ships, local passenger ships, uh, wooden side wheelers, that sort of thing. And, and also uh, some aspects of military history because a lot of them were wor- World War II veterans. But uh, over time, as the organization grew and our collections grew, it has come to encompass cargo shipping, container shipping, obviously ocean liners, passenger shipping, and also working vessels like tugs, as well as yachts and other pleasure craft. So pretty broad. So uh, that's why we made that change. Another way that we uh, fulfill our mission and get our our message out is obviously through our home, our Ship History Center. It's based in Warwick, Rhode Island. We moved in around 2014. We were leasing it and we officially purchased it in uh, 2020. I mentioned that it's kind of a big deal. I've been with the organization, I began as a part-time research assistant. Over that time, I have overseen two moves of all of our collections, some of which are, you know, pretty fragile models, glass positives and things. It's a very stressful process is the point. The fact that we were able to lock down the building and be able to have a permanent facility. So uh, it has lots of space for our collections, as well as uh, a built-in library, climate controls, We were formerly in a sort of warehouse space, which was very useful for bringing all of our collections into one place, but it was not so great with, uh, with air conditioning or anything like that. 
which was, I mentioned my blood pressure. That was also a very stressful thing, you know, uh, especially with the, our photo collections. We have a lot of film negatives and, and that sort of thing. I was just pretty much always nervous about it constantly every time I walked into work. Uh, so it was nice to, uh, be, to move into this building and not have to worry about that so much. Another way that we fulfill our message is through our educational programming. Our education program is called STEAMing into the Future. STEAM is all capitalized because it's an acronym. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Mathematics. STEAMing into the Future is at shiphistory.org, and that has um, educational content for uh, pre-K up to grades 12, and uh, it has lesson plans, articles, activities, and it's all free and available to anyone who wants to explore it. Uh, so once again, you can explore it too at shiphistory.org. And I know this is about the Love Collection in particular, but I will do a quick and dirty run through of what our collections are. First and foremost, they include all kinds of photographic media. So I mentioned uh, glass slides. We have glass negatives and glass positives. We have film, photo prints, and projection slides, color projection slides. Also paper ephemera. Ephemera means materials that were created for temporary use. And uh, so for us, that means things like very pretty uh, programs from the Red Star line, uh, menus, brochures, informational booklets, and uh, promotional booklets and uh, flyers and that sort of thing. And a lot of them can be very beautiful artistic artifacts as well as informational artifacts. And of course, art. Uh, we have a lot of different kinds of art. Uh, paints, paintings, uh, lithographs, and, uh, and also travel posters. We have lots and lots of blueprints, ship plans, and deck plans. They're incredibly uh, interesting artifacts, as well as very large. Uh, some of them uh, are, can be up to six or eight feet long. Other uh, fun aspects of our collections are artifacts themselves, such as ashtrays, silverware, china, and then, of course, our maritime reference library. Uh, it has pretty much all kinds of subject matter you can think of. We have books on specific ships. We have books on specific lines, regions of shipping, kinds of shipping, as well as reference material like shipping registers and uh, manuals and also a range of periodicals. So about Vincent Love. Vincent Love was born in New Rochelle, New York in 1931. He grew up in Wellesley, Mass., he went to Brown University, where he majored in American Civilization, then went to the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. He served in the Army, but once he came back, he started working for the United States Lines as a booking agent and did that for, for a long time until the United States Lines shut down their passenger shipping uh, services, at which point he decided to work on land and went to the Mayflower Hotel in Manhattan, but that didn't really last very long. The sea still called to him, right? So he went back to the sea on flagship cruises on uh, ships like Sea Venture and Island Venture. How this collection came to us, it was offered in, uh, in 2021. And thing is with donations when they're offered, how it works is that I ask for inventories, any sort of lists, photographs, any sort of material that we can ascertain you know, the general subject matter and, uh, and also how much overlap there is with our existing collections. And from there, we, we talk about it and talk about it with our collections committee and determine how we take in a 
given donation or a collection. The deed of gift is a very important document. It's a transfer of ownership, and that is a part of the process as well. Restricted gifts. The love collection is technically a restricted gift. It's a on a, a long-term loan. We typically don't accept loans, but when we have an extraordinary case, such as this collection, which is a large collection of beautiful lithographs and uh, visual material, videos and documents from Vincent Love's travels and interests. So we make exceptions in uh, really unusual cases. With this particular collection, part of the loan agreement was that within a certain time frame, we would complete a finding aid and catalog all of the pieces of this collection. And another, another aspect of that loan agreement was that we would create exhibits. So we have a, a physical exhibit and also a virtual exhibit. What we have digitized through our virtual exhibit is, uh, is again, only actually a, a piece of the full collection. We're a pretty small organization. So the pro of that is that because of our size, we're very flexible and, uh, and able to uh, do things very differently than say, a government archives, which has to contend with a whole different set of laws that determine how uh, they take in a collection and how they use a collection. So in that way, working with a smaller organization like us can actually be a plus, even if we can't create, you know, very dynamic in-person exhibits. With our in-person exhibit, we blended uh, pieces of the Love Collection with uh, existing models and other smaller pieces to bring out that subject matter and kind of fully contextualize it. I guess what I was really excited to build was actually the virtual museum exhibit. So we do have a existing platform for our virtual museum that has hosted the Posner Maritime Art Collection. So uh, when you go to our main website and click on collections and there'll be a drop down for the virtual museum, and when you click on that Vincent Love button, it will bring you to this landing page where you can learn a little bit more about Vincent Love. And scrolling down, you will see these small thumbnails of the actual pieces that we digitized from the collection. And when you click on one of those, if you notice on either side, there's little arrows. Uh, with each piece, we have multiple images so that you can get a closer view of certain details or in interesting aspects of the piece, and uh, as well as a very brief description of the piece itself. When digitizing this collection, we didn't want to take anything apart. We didn't want to take these pieces out of their frames. So obviously you're dealing with a photograph, and uh, that means you're uh, with a camera rather. So you're managing light and reflections. It was a challenge. We learned a lot with this process and uh, I'm hoping to go back and, and retake a lot of these photos so that we can kind of clean it up and, and make sure we don't have some of these weird reflections there. It's, a, it's an imperfect process, but it is a, a, a very productive process. You may ask why not on, you know, take them out of their frame so you can get a clean shot, right? Well, part of that was to minimize handling and potential damage to these pieces. But also some of these pieces are in really beautiful frames, like the frames themselves are works of art. So you want to minimize how much you're handling these pieces so uh, you don't have to deal with uh, any sort of 
potential de degradation or flaws that you uh, that may happen to these pieces when you're working with them. One of the big loves of uh, Mr. Love uh, was the Titanic and uh, and the White Star Line in general. He was such an enthusiast uh, that he was actually an expert specialist for the Titanic movies. And uh, his collection includes many different kinds of Titanic movies, not just the the big one from uh, from the 90s with Leo, Leo DiCaprio, but uh, also uh, other versions and, and older movies made about the Titanic. It also includes, I mean, I've, you know, I've been mentioning lithographs and stuff and that, and that shows up, but uh, his collection is much more than just artwork. It also includes newspaper items and, uh, and papers. Newspapers are, some of them are in pretty tough shape. So if you were to come and, and ask to see them, we would have to kind of work with that, work around it. Um, but, uh, but some of them are, are in good shape and can be viewed. That's another aspect that I am trying to figure out a way that we can scan that newspaper material without further damaging it because they are in a state where they're crumbling quite a bit. But, uh, you know, that's part of the fun of this work. I get to figure out those puzzles. Another really fun portion of this collection is this interesting card catalog. It's a full catalog of all passengers and crew that were on the Titanic when she sank. And uh, these cards ha are, are organized by last name alphabetically, and it indicates what happened to that person, whether they were saved or lost, what class they were traveling in if they were a passenger, or what their job was on board if they were a member of crew. I'm really interested to dedicate more time to this particular piece specifically because there are some names in the card catalog that we haven't been able to find on passenger lists elsewhere, which is really weird, right? So uh, we're going to be actively looking into some of the idiosyncrasies of this particular piece. So we went over uh, SSHSA, who we are, what we do, and also aspects of collections management, how we manage the love collection, how we brought it in, and also touching on some of the aspects of what it means to give a, a, a donation or a, a collection to a historical society like us. Also just uh, honoring Vincent Love as a person and, uh, and his interests and his collecting interests and passions. That's really what we're trying to do in fulfilling our mission is, uh, is not just talking about the ships as technological marvels, though they are, but there's a lot more to them, right? There's all the people that have contributed to their design, their build, and also the people who have worked aboard them and traveled aboard them and how they contribute to the full picture. Uh, and Vincent Love is part of that picture. So building these exhibits is not just about fulfilling our mission. It's not just about me doing my job. It's about giving a voice and, uh, and, and visibility to people and their ideas who may not have it otherwise. Thanks for tuning in to Ship History Radio. We hope you join us for future conversations about the wonderful treasures that make up the SSHSA collections. This episode was produced by the Steamship Historical Society of America. Learn more about our organization and request a free copy of Powerships Magazine at sshsa.org.